Hi, I'm Akhil Arora. And I'm Rohan Nahar. Welcome to The Long Take. This week, we're discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, which concluded a couple of weeks ago. We've been busy doing other stuff. And finally, here we are, doing Star Wars. Uh, it's In a way, I would say, almost bigger than Wonder Woman, right? given it was recently named as the most pirated TV show of 2020. It's taking over yeah, from yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh- great company to be in i think game of thrones and like top gear and yeah stuff like that. i feel like that's almost like a, a respect symbol right like you if you achieve this symbol of like being the most battery it's almost like yeah you're legit now oh, yeah. you've arrived like it's like a badge of honor almost now uh yeah this is weird because like disney plus is definitely in more countries than uh say like hbo max and stuff like that so for people to still and like in India, which is a country that is uh, which lives on piracy, uh, they have I think uh, six or seven million uh, subscribers uh, in India. More actually, uh, when they recently revealed, I mean, thing is, it's not really an easy comparison to make because uh, Dis- unlike everywhere else, Disney Plus has two tiers here, right? And the Mandalorian is only available on one the higher price tier. Uh, I'm guessing most people are on the lower price tier because they signed up during the recent IPL and you don't need premium to watch IPL. You just need VIP. Yeah. Also, I don't know if people in India are like um, specifically tuning in to watch Star Wars because it's like traditionally not a popular thing here. Yeah. Star Wars is not a like forget popular. Like The word popular does not come into like the arena when you're talking about Star Wars, considering I have seen like the numbers, how the last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker did in terms of box office. I think that's another thing, right? Like Disney Plus, even though it is available in a lot of places, it, there are still a lot of places that it's not available in. So sort of Disney sort of half fueling the uh, surge of piracy. But even then, it's, that's never stopped. It. Even when Game of Thrones was at its, at its peak and being distributed in 200 countries worldwide, it was still so yeah that's always going to happen nonetheless uh, speaking of game of thrones you know at its peak i think now after season two uh the mandalorian is better than game of thrones was whoa whoa, ever whoa, whoa, was. whoa, whoa. calm your horses what what are we doing here you just the best sh- show ever at its peak which i would say is around four season four or season five you just you think mandalorian season two was better than that i think it's a matter of taste almost because i feel I I prefer lean storytelling, uh, and Mandalorian is like a great example of how lean you can make your plots. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, sometimes of, almost like where is the plot, right? Like I remember there are episodes in season two. I'm just like there is no plot. It's just literally just like go from point A to point B, and then you survive at point B and then get back to whatever point A or move forward to point C. Sometimes literally that's what it does. Anyway. And I really respond to that kind of storytelling, especially because the Mandalorian <laughs> is, you know, it's no, no, not because of any other reason, uh, but, but the Mandalorian, especially in season two, is kind of deliberately evoking, uh, you know, Kurosawa movies and stuff, which were anyway not plot heavy, not too dense. Yeah, like the full, like the Ahsoka episode hmm. is full Kurosawa. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Filoni has uh, obviously very deliberately uh, framed those scenes uh, like a Kurosawa samurai. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars came f- half from Kurosawa, from first with Lucas, you know, starting with whole, like, basically it's like swords, but swords turn into lightsabers. Yes. Um, and then Filoni is continuing that. So yeah, so yeah, so Seven Samurai, uh, Magnificent Seven, Star Wars, uh, Surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's the 
thread you can connect easily and game of thrones is basically on the other side of the spectrum right because at any given moment it's handling like 15 different 15 different plot yeah, it's, lines yeah it's full serialized and uh, for someone like me who's anyway disengaged very easily uh following like that amount of lore and story is difficult and i think game of thrones kind of started taking itself very seriously as it went along especially you know i like the early seasons of terrific i remember watching so i started watching game of thrones the day it aired the day the first episode aired same so i was on board uh first three seasons best show ever not best show ever but like top 5 like best show at least ever really... during its run by far yeah no 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 breaking bad was happening at the same time mad men was happening at the same yeah ha huh. but it was like a great time for tv you know that particular decade was incredible for television this was television not streaming and uh, for game of thrones to kind of be as good as it was you know like being a pulpy uh, schlocky kind of uh, show was really good but then started taking itself way too seriously it got kind of caught in its own web of like uh, hype uh and that's when i started losing interest in game of thrones i mean that's... for me it's there's a very clear cut line where it actually went by is the moment they ran out of source material oh yeah that's yeah 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 that's a very very clear demarcation of when they went off the rails i mean let's not even discuss like the final season yeah. so like no one can argue that it's the greatest show ever simply because that final season exists you know like it ruins the entire legacy of that show i would just say even final two seasons like even the seven, second last season was nothing but uh, yeah like uh, mandalorian has no book to kind of fall back on this is like uh, favaro and filoni coming up with this uh, story themselves so like hopefully they'll uh, be able to sustain this for the next 3 4 years and that's the good thing what the mandalorian has right in terms of like long lasting is that it is the format is so simple of like uh you know lone warrior walking into a new city and encountering trouble and then helping the local denizens with their problems and then getting something he needs out of that that you can basically repeat the loop i just described forever <laughs> there is no there's no definite end to such a loop right yeah but i think that they've already kind of uh, they've got the end game in sight uh, simply because they've announced like a handful of spin-offs so i think that is the out uh once those shows are kind of successfully established within uh the mandalorian uh, they can start thinking about concluding this so we kind of already know like in what direction the show's going like in a sense in a very vague sense do we though like i feel like okay i don't even know like what the third season is going to potentially do right i mean you haven't discussed it in two years but like theoretically yeah like what would that be and what so i think it they're implying that mandalorian is no longer going to be like a solo journey right so he's going to be he's going to join up like he's going to be uh, banding together with a bunch of other characters at least that's the sense i got from the finale yeah i mean obviously they have to solve the central thread that comes up in the finale is right that involving the dark saber is that uh, bokata needs that or at least she needs the the myth around it to rally the cause and for mandalore but now that it's in the hands of uh, our mandalorian dinjarin it kind of complicates those matters right like he's he sort of in a way agreed half agreed to like reconsider joining her cause so that w- that is one thread they could explore right the taking back of mandalore but it's never been a show that could out be- become a serialized plot then right because it'll be like ye karna hai wo karna hai next next step and th- fourth step and then you achieve like whatever 
and it never it's never been that kind of show so i i can't imagine it from suddenly going from that to being this it feels like yeah they'll keep that on the back burner like taking by mandalore and then along the way they'll have smaller plots of you know boba fett and mandalore solving different things it's so good i can't remember the last time i had this much fun watching something like this and you know like it's such a a noticeable imp- like for me it's such a noticeable improvement from season 1 because season 1 you could sense that they are still like trying to figure out what the show is and now it's like supreme confidence in storytelling and obviously like a bigger budget also because i think they've they made the mistakes that they had to mist- make in the in the first season and now they're kind of like uh you know the growing pains are over so now they can like fully uh y- utilize the technology that they have and all that kind of stuff but it's just extremely con- the, the sense i get from the show is that these people are extremely confident like it's just very very like bullish storytelling like there's no hesitation in what they want to do which kind of reminds me of like you mentioned game of thrones but this kind of reminds me of breaking bad because breaking bad is also super lean and it's almost like i i remember they used to describe it as writing jazz where you kind of go with the flow and it's the most logical direction in which the story can go so the viewer is also kind of on the same page at all yeah times. and like they what i also like about it is that they're not stretching that mission right they set that mission up like in sort of end of season 1 that now he has to like sort of fulfill this quest right of finding his kind and then reuniting with him and then they finish it in end of season 2 right you don't it's, it's not like oh there was like a red herring and then we take it another direction uh although along the way they have their fun along the way they they're not like about going from direct from direct they have their detours which sometimes for fun for me i think only one case they were not i think the only episode i didn't like this season was the one we spent in the ice cave everything apart from that i wonderfully enjoyed i mean that's the fun that they have right like the fact that they get these great directors sometimes and sometimes some, some newcomers who and they let them sort of take it the star wars in like a completely different sort of zone right which star wars hasn't sort of been allowed to be uh because of the skywalker saga whatever on the big screen and so we get episodes where it's like a horror movie where it, where it's like a heist show where it's like a thriller or where it's literally sometimes it's like you know the perfect essence of like mission or story which becomes literally a video game mission like the episode where um grogu or be like as his name, name we now know i stuck on the seeing stone that entire episode with robert, robert rodriguez is literally a video game mission because that that's the asset you need to protect and then these heroes are sort of trying to ensure that no one can get to that asset right all of them every episode is kind of video game uh influenced i feel in terms yeah. of storytelling and the ice cave one are you talking about episode 2 is the one where uh yeah, the yeah. frog lady they gets the the Yeah. Oh, I really like that episode. I I remember reading that poor Peyton Reed has uh once again got stuck with the lukewarm episode. But obviously, yeah. But then he got time, the finale, right? Like, I, yeah, obviously, yeah. No so one obviously, knew at, that, at point. that time, no one knew that he would have the finale. Yeah. And even I didn't know. So I remember watching the finale and then uh constantly wondering, "Kisne banaya? Kisne banaya?" And uh, I was kind of surprised when Peyton Reed. And that was always, the, I think, the charm for me, like to not actually find out ahead of this episode. and then to the moment it ends and you see the name you're like oh 
that makes sense that they gave it to them like if you like especially like when you say like the see the asoka episode and you see day filoni's name appear like yeah it makes sense that you know that filoni would write and direct this episode especially that i mean a couple of weeks after that you find out that you know an entire show is being made around her and that was a backdoor pilot and filoni's writing that show so then it makes perfect sense to do that or what was the highlight like what was your favorite episode like mine was filoni's like that's the pinnacle of asoka Matt. one yeah. um hmm that's a good question because i except the k1 which was just like best i'd like i'd every other episode um but if i had to pick one i really like the one with boba fett so not boba fett sorry bokatan with the first time they meet uh mandalorian right it's the it's sort of a very fun mandalorian episode in the terms of you know the high sequence and everything you have to get in the ship and everything but it also tells us so much more upends an entire sort of perspective about mandalorian right because we get to find out for the first time that he belongs to this uh religious zealous cult and then it sort of changes the way we've been you know hearing the words this is the way and the the, the sort of the larger mandalorian sort of atmosphere around it so i think that's a strong candidate for me where did you get that armor this armor has been in my family for three generations you do not cover your face you are not mandalorian he's one of them thank ferric one of what i am bokatan of clan crees i was born on mandalore and fought in the purge i am the last of my line and you are a child of the watch the watch children of the watch are a cult of religious zealots that broke away from mandalorian society their goal was to reestablish the ancient way there is only one way the way of the mandalore that is a really good episode and i think that was uh, in fact thematically this idea was what really stuck with me uh, in this season is that uh, it's something that's been implied but very subtly in the past in the show you know like why does this guy wear the helmet right and uh, i mean we've seen mandalorians remove their helmet and i think which one was that like the one of the prequel movies right attack of the clones or something no plus and both the animated series right which have been following this so anyone who's seen this animated series and comes to mandalorian they're like what is this guy talking about mandalorians remove their helmets all the time so which is why it's been interesting for them from like a different angle of like okay who is he really like why is he being this way this show and for everyone who's so new newcomer sorry i take on yeah 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 exactly like for newcomers it's it it functions perfectly fine you know like it's so self contained and all yeah. the context that you need to get is so effectively like conveyed to you and you don't feel like you're lost like i I've, i've seen star wars but i'm not the biggest like i don't know like oh like attack of the clones ke f- fifth minute mein who sneezed at whom like you know like i don't have that amount of information but I, i'm like a casual star wars fan so for me it's the kind of perfect show where i understand certain references but i'm not lost and i think the show like especially like fabro he does like a really good job at like providing just the right amount of information i think he really has like good help with like feloni in that department i think fabro and keeps crediting that in everything he sort of talks about is that fabro sort of like the big picture guy that he's you know taking care of that the show is sort of you know thematically and structurally sound 
and then when he, when he needs details of you know what can I do with you know with the story in like in a Star Wars way, then he goes to Filoni and Filoni answers all like his questions. Yeah, yeah. so Filoni is the guy who knows ke who sneezed at who in like minute five of exactly. Time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we forget that star wars started off as like this homage to like uh, 50s um, pulp serials like flash gordon and stuff but then he was influenced by like eastern philosophy and uh, spirituality you know uh, lucas so it this feels this episode in particular when they speak about mandalorian belonging to this group of religious zealots that was outcast uh, feels really really like hefty in a cool way yeah and it's sort of It's very interesting that they've made him, you know, not a side character, but then the protagonist of the show, right? Because then what that allows to do is to explore a unique sort of perspective, right? Then because now you've put the audience in a position where they're actively rooting for him every day, so now they have to follow a character who is sort of unknowingly a zealot, right? He's not he's not actively a zealot, and now he has to sort of navigate. the world that he sort of lived with right he's now beginning to question all the values he was brought up with uh so i will do even though season 2 is too soon for, for to any of that to explore it we do start sort of seeing parts of that although mostly i feel it's not really like it can be seen from that point of view but mostly his sort of change of behavior comes from the fact that he loves grogu so much and not the fact that he's questioning you know his sort of uh inner sort of faith or whatever which is sort of in a way still going on yeah and and his faith has always been kind of restricted to himself he's not the kind of like they call him like he belongs to a group of quote unquote zealots but you never see him impose his beliefs on others it's not like he's yeah but i feel like he's isn't he quietly imposing that by you know saying things like oh mandalorians never take off their helmets sort of that is in a way the imposition he's doing right he's sort of laying down the way for how Mandalorian supposed to be. I mean, yeah. So in a way, he's not any different from like a moderately uh, fanatical, like Malvi or someone you know who's like looking at yeah. a woman and being like hijab and all types. But yeah, which is a good like mention given that in a way the show is about that. I yeah, feel like, it is. Times. It is. It is. It is. So when he sees, uh, for example, like uh, Bo Katan and uh, and the rest of the gang. uh without helmets his his initial reaction isn't like how dare you it's it's one of shock and surprise right like is this possible like almost like that yeah. so i think that goes a, a long this, way is this even how is it even allowed right yeah yeah so that, how can you be mandalorian do this like wasn't this apparently the yeah so but I, but i feel like in that scene if he'd kind of turned antagonistic towards those people then we would have that would have changed our relationship to him uh but then they played yeah. kind of safe uh in the way that we don't kind of immediately turn against him for his beliefs because there's a yeah. lot of information you, as a writer you never want that you never want to turn the audience against then, the protagonist because you lose them yeah, obviously uh, on the side we all always have the emotional arc of him kind of learning to be a father almost to grogu right so that's yeah. the emotional core of the story which is very strong like extremely strong which they might have to do without now pretty much going forward yeah like i don't know how they'll do that like what like they like this they really uh, like torn the heart out of the show right so like yeah like, i mean that's and in a way this sort of impresses me because i feel like that's a brave move right for a show that i'm telling you uh, has it's found its sort of core you know in like it's like it's almost like 
I mean, yeah, it's not even forget almost. It's Grogu is more famous than Mandalorian. Uh, and to take that out of the show and be like, we will, you know, continue without him is a bold move. It's a bold show. I'm telling you, this is like very, very like because they're also the 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 ideas and the themes are so like uh, primal almost. It's designed to appeal to like everyone, even though it's so rich in terms of how adoring it is of star wars lore you know i think w- within that like sort of sentence like is the only nugget of sort of uh i mean i wouldn't call it annoyance but i feel like it's a part of like the increased corporatization of the show right uh it's not like i mean it was none, none to begin with it's, it's it's forever part of the star wars universe but in season two it's sort of either had to or wanted to depending on you know who you listen to uh done these various connections with that we've been talking about from the start right it's had to include ahsoka because then ahsoka ka show ban hai. uh it's gotten boba fett because then robert rodriguez is making that show with boba fett uh bo-katan is the only one who doesn't have her own show which sort of signals that bo-katan will be more of a part with season three itself with, like, within this show and then there's the other show as well called range of the new republic which is like sort of supposed to you know bring together everything in terms of like a you know marvel's defenders type sort of culminating event so that was like my only sort of you know thing with it is that like there it's being this is being used as now like a funnel to like create like this massive universe right which we talked about a couple of weeks before on the podcast but yeah we did but you know the thing about this is while the show while the season was unfolding we did not know about these uh future shows right and I don't remember at any point thinking or being cynical about, oh, like, why is Ahsoka in this show? Like, are they planning a spin-off featuring her? I never thought that until they told us that they were. So I think had that announcement not happened or had it happened later, uh, it wouldn't have really it factored into your opinion of the show because while you were watching the show, uh, it was the coolest thing ever to see Ahsoka uh, Tano in the flesh, you know. Like, it was the coolest thing ever to have that Boba Fett episode. Uh, like, it felt earned, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying the power of those moments at all. I'm saying just looking back, mm-hmm. it's obviously, it's sort of, even in some narrative ways, you can tell why it's sort of being decided that way. Like, the reason, if he almost feels like to me that Ahsoka denies you know, that she will not be training him is almost because, oh, she, cause she has to have her own journey in her own show. Yeah, she has yeah, her own Like, you cannot tie yeah. her to Baby Yoda because then how will she go find General Thorn and Ezra Bajor or whatever nonsense going to happen in that show? Uh, so yeah, things like that. Tiny, so you have to justify it right? from some time point view, but you still have to, have to include her in this show. But yeah, on the bigger level, it's still, it does, it's still a very good show. Like, I'm not denying that at all. It, that's my only sort of minor complaint about it. Uh, but like, and, and in terms of nostalgia, like, and you can't go any bigger. Like, I was sort of going across, and you know, when you were that's happening, you were like, okay, they're getting these minor sort of B and C characters from uh, everywhere, and then in the finale, just they, they pull like the biggest A A card you can pull, right? Which is how cool was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone sort of like wondering like what's gonna be because like the moment you put. Grogu and the seeing stone like you know like you have to have a payoff for that right because that's like the you've set it up like he's if he's spoken to someone because Ahsoka says he will reach out then that answer has to come within that season and you're like wait who can come because this is like the era you know after Return of the Jedi 
which basically means there are not a lot of the jedi left up at this point right uh is very few of them left in this during this period between the 6th and you know whatever force awakens and it they answered by giving us the biggest of the lot i was so well done it was uh it reminded me of that uh, rogue one sequence at the end with the vader you know like dark vader <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was really well done and uh, like i was really i didn't know peyton reed had it in him honestly like i did not know he had it in him uh yeah i feel like this like the finale is now like the best directorial venture he's ever done now almost possible you know like we speak about how asoka tano got a show and like how boba fett got a show like i wouldn't be surprised if peyton reed gets a star wars movie soon like that's totally mm-hmm. on the cards like he, how many antmans can you make now matlab teen bana diya like ab kya karega and like disney is like so that's what he's making i think that's probably why he's there hasn't got anything but uh, ha huh, that was an incredible moment incredible like sequence uh and i remember thinking that hmm, like how like i i can f- i can predict how this season will end i know but like who it like who will like what card will they uh, play and they played the biggest one uh yeah and they did well the only you know, disappointment like, about that bad for me was the, the CGI. fact that the the yeah, the deaging cgi was terrible like just use like something else i don't know use some like something like deep fake or something <laughs> just use deep fake i think they've proven enough times now that deep fake is is it works better and uh, yeah, but and i guess deaging cgi is like this was this was worse than like that uh who was that general in rogue one who no. also went through this in uh, tarkin yeah tarkin right in rogue one like that was i that actually looked more natural than hamel right now that looked yeah but hamel to they did in for all so not the movie that we'll never ever 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 yeah we won't not speak about that that doesn't the exist movie. what were you talking about was <laughs> the movie the i'll just beep this up yeah it was a damn good finale but like we spoken about the finale but we we should i guess also speak about a couple of other episodes because every episode is such a self-contained short film almost you know yeah that's what it is that's literally what they're going for it's almost like you know they make teams and they like go off and they like we make our own tiny movies and then we release them i mean the first episode can be its own movie right because it's like it's also like the longest episode they've done so far and the only one where they've have imax sequences i think see i'm not sure about the imax like did they shoot on imax but then why is it full ratio i know i know like that's the, like that makes sense to me right like it's every episode is movie like ratio and suddenly that one when once the what was it called crowd dragon once it like crash attack starts attacking crate dragon sorry my bad um then it, it suddenly goes like full screen i'm like well this feels like an imax thing it me. felt like an imax thing and that sequence was like uh, i like on par with any anything i've seen in like a star wars movie like in terms of just exactly huh? it was like it was godly it was like great i haven't been to a theater for Eight months now, but I am loving this. So I immediately went and googled like, as like a see, I'm more of a <laughs> technical uh, specs geek than a Star Wars geek. So I immediately went and googled like, I actually my IMAX was shoot kia tha, and I couldn't really find right. any concrete information. Like everyone said, ki ha, it looks IMAX because of... probably because like they don't they're so secretive about it, right? So they probably like I haven't actually seen that. I should watch that. Um, the making of the release. So I did. I watched season. it, and no one spoke about uh, IMAX. What the hell? Like at least you should speak about that there. But I guess maybe it's like just not break. You know, amazing enough for them, given the actual amazing thing that they keep using are the you know those amazing 
wall to wall leds so the theory is that disney might have uh, planned a theatrical uh, thing for the pilot the for the first episode yeah possible so they kind of blew up that um, sequence for IMAX screens. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So anyway, but speaking of that documentary that uh, they put out after the season ended, it's really insightful. You know, like so you obviously like Favreau had a more. He is the first episode uh, that he's directed this season because he didn't direct any last season. Yeah, because he was he was missing for the Lion King yeah, last yeah. season. Favreau could be a separate. We should do an episode like he's. He was busy not only with the Lion King. He was busy directing every episode of his Netflix cooking show. <laughs> also, so yeah, but uh, he's written every. Uh, I think except one or two episodes this season. He's written yeah. all of them, right? Yeah. Filoni so wrote the Soka one, and there was another episode which was written by someone yeah, else. Yeah. So Rick. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa. I think yeah, Rick Famuyiwa wrote one of his ep- yeah. So he he wrote and directed his uh, last season one episode also, and did again this season. His episode was also damn good. It was like a western, right? It was the the train robbery uh, western trope. Yeah, I mean the western to pura showy, you know, almost. Uh, and obviously, like uh, that's important episode because uh, a Migs Mayfeld is back, which is always. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> like Bill Burr playing himself. Uh, but also it's the episode, if I'm yeah. not wrong, where he takes the helmet off, right? Yeah, that's the most screen time Pascal's face has gotten on the show yet. We got like ten seconds of him in the finale last season one finale, and then we got like multiple minutes this time. So like, uh, instead of everyone discussing, ke, oh, like he's changing and evolving as a human being, you know, like he's no longer beholden to these, uh, in like these this indoctrination that he grew up with. Everyone's like, uh, let's talk about his uh, mooch instead. Like, why does <laughs> I remember that was a discourse <laughs> on Twitter after the episode? Like, why does he have a mooch? Uh, what I actually wanted to talk about in that scene is the. It's almost like he become he feels like a different character, right? Like with the helmet on, he's this confident, you know, warrior who like sort of always knows how to like he's aware of his surroundings and he knows how to get out of any situation. The minute he takes off the helmet. He feels like the most vulnerable guy I've ever yeah, met. Yeah, so he comes across as almost a different person when he takes the mask, or when he takes the helmet off, and I think that's also because yeah, because he's not used to being like that, right? Yeah, it was also because Pedro Pascal isn't always behind the helmet, so like they've got a couple of stunt performers playing that, and yeah. I think like subconsciously, I, I'm sure like they're not like. Identical physically, so when you see him without yeah. the helmet, he seems smaller almost. Yeah, I mean, when they need like for you know proper action sequences, then they actually obviously have to bring in stuntmen. But yeah, I remember like that was a really good episode. I think that was yeah, it had its moments. Yeah, I mean, forget forget that just the sequence where he's taking the helmet off, and that's you know so much saying about the how the interaction goes. It's also about the other guy in the room, right? Like it's almost it's a episode, it's a redemption episode for Migs Mayfeld, or at least the start beginning of redemption. And then it's also the episode where you know they probe the setup, uh, the Bo-Katan angle setup further, right? The angle about you know the wearing the helmet and all, because Migs Mayfeld asks him, is like, what is actually the thing, right? Like, is it the helmet or is it not showing the face? Yeah, because you know you've already betrayed betrayed one of them, and it's it's. Those are like two very different things. That's a really good scene when they're having that conversation, and it's like, uh, yeah, they do it so well because he conveys so much without saying anything and without like us seeing his face. And 
I mean, it obviously, yeah. obviously, it's there in his scenes with Grogu. Like the emotion is there; you can feel it. But especially in these scenes, you know, just like his when he moves his head here and there, and you kind of figure out, oh, this is what he's trying to communicate. I mean, yeah, the show is just brave in just that, that sense, right? That they're willing to put their title character, uh, one of only two characters, like one only adult character sometimes because Grogu is just like cooing all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh behind the he- ma- mask or helmet and just like yeah this is our show now have fun speaking of people behind the mask uh, my least favorite episode uh, was the boba fett episode i because uh, i felt it was stylistically a major deviation from the rest of the not just the season but the show itself and that's that's obviously like down to rodriguez and how he handled the material like i remember reading somewhere or maybe it was in that documentary he said there was 19 pages long uh the script Nin- 19 pages <laughs> i mean that makes sense right like, it's just like there's only action you don't really need a lot of script but what i like about the episode at least is that how rodriguez sort of you know for the first time ever i feel like brings strategy to how stormtroopers behave because normally they just feel like they're like random you know ants thrown around the battlefield and they shoot at like this air and <laughs> they don't hit anyone but for the first time the stormtroopers feel like they have a plan of how to go about you know actually entrapping mingna ben sorry not mingna ben but like fenex shand and boba fett and you know all of them all even though it doesn't go their way because the, the people they're going up against are obviously better and that all that i feel the, his introduction was suitably like epic like that was it kind of uh, the entire episode is kind of uh, it revolves around that particular moment and i think that was done really nicely but i just felt it was the action was a little haphazard for me it felt a little like scattershot which is which is like how rodriguez directs i, I guess uh, but mm-hmm. but i really liked it i like that they got temura morrison back and he did like a haka on set and everything which again i saw in the documentary it was really cool uh and yeah they make a nice couple uh, so I'll, i'll like that's something i'm going to look forward to that spin off yeah i guess let's let's end with that right like it's cuz this that's what's in a way season 2 was about more i feel like sometimes not just about like its own show but also about setting up the larger i would say like the star wars cinematic universe right that now disney is just literally copying itself from marvel to like make a star wars cinematic universe so which one are you most looking forward to from the lot from the lot i feel uh i don't including mandalorian season 3 uh see i am obviously like mandalorian is og like pehla pyar but also because like it's just like a known quantity so it's e- easier to back Yes. Uh although I don't have any idea about uh wh- what's the like what the secrets of the what republic old republic rangers of the new republic <laughs> sorry secrets rangers yeah, that's the that's the one that's the like the opposite of the mandalorian in terms of being known quantity so I have no idea what to expect from that so I'm going to like just uh quietly put that on the side uh hmm. asoka is if it's anything like that asoka episode the filoni did i'm all for that like i just give me like short like 10 second shots of like stillness i'll watch an <laughs> entire episode of just that of like flags in the wind you know like of asoka infiltrating like these fortresses and like having like duels with some yeah, asoka should be fun 
what's the other one left last one is the book of boba fett the, the one that was announced last minute literally in in the finale yeah uh yes my only obviously like uh, only hesitation with that one is that it's going to be executive produced by not just filoni and favro but also like rodriguez theek hai so i guess they they will hopefully tame his instincts cuz like the fact that i feel like they that they've pushed mandalorian right that the fact that we won't see season 3 until 2022 and that they're working on production for book of boba fett right now uh says that this is like heavy involvement right it's not like they're running boba fett and mandalorian season 3 parallelly they are doing book of boba fett with rodriguez and then they will move on to mandalorian season 3 and then possibly also uh you know favro hey filoni will move on to asoka after that whatever because he's writing that right now so that sort of gives me confidence because that you know that's all three and what it's not like you know rodriguez is going at alone and favro and filoni have like a big picture outlook so here is some context uh a week ago i watched we can be heroes okay which is just all the worst tendencies that robert rodriguez has as a filmmaker <laughs> which is basically uh i will write direct produce edit and shoot my movies <laughs> okay and he does that yeah but he won't get that creative control at lucasfilm right which, and plus if you know anything about lucasfilm if that happens then kennedy will be like go by way ha to wo hai like fingers crossed that it doesn't come to that because you know like rodriguez over the years he's like I am not going to Hollywood like tum log Austin aao sab log like you want to work with me you come <laughs> to Austin and that's how he's working right so he works in his backyard he's got this uh, green screen like he has experience making movies like this which is probably why they brought him on because he's made like feature length movies in his backyard in one room like in like a green yeah. sti- green screen vault so he knows how to work like this and my only hope is that again like there is like creative oversight and that favro and feloni have like a strong say in where to take the boba fett show yeah i think they will i mean cuz it's not just rodriguez's reputation at stake right because they, their names are attached it's also their reputation at stake cuz they've built it up with mandalorian and they wouldn't want to see it squashed with book of boba fett especially considering that that's the next star wars show now between mandalorian and mandalorian 3 it's going to come so A lot is riding on that, and at one point it was supposed to be a movie, right? So it's one of those cancelled movies, spin-off movies yeah. that uh, Trank was supposed to make. It had like make. a British series, Stephen Daldry attached at one point. Then no, sorry, that Stephen Daldry was the Obi Wan Kenobi movie. My bad. Mm-hmm. It had James Mangold attached to it one point. Did it? Wasn't this the Josh Trank one? That was that's possible, but James Mangold was the last director attached to it before it got shelved because <laughs> Solo came out. Oh yeah, Solo. Solo is the. <laughs> I feel like in a way, Solo is almost like a blessing in disguise, right? Because otherwise, all these uh, lovely TV shows, which possible potentially long form storytelling, would have been squashed into like movies, right? You're right. And I would rather have Star Wars in this new format of long form storytelling than have them as two hour movies where they don't work. That's true. It wouldn't have happened without Solo. So I guess I guess so, we, yeah. we have Ron Howard to thank for <laughs> Ron Howard plus. Phil or in Chris Miller. <laughs> okay, I guess that's good enough for this episode. We will see you next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can find the Long Take at the Long Take Pod on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. You can write to us at the Long Take Pod at gmail dot com. Wherever you listen to the episode, please leave us a rating and a review, and we will see you next week.